0: And good morning. Welcome to this Monday edition of The Morning Show. Hope you all are doing well. I am doing fantastic this morning. Let me tell you why. I've done something that I've never done before. Not only did I wake up at 3.30 this morning, and yes, I am flexing. I sound arrogant and narcissistic because I was awake before anybody. Probably. I don't know. Um, 3.30 is pretty early. So I go to my gym. And I work out. I'm going to start lifting. It's time to start looking like a man. I'm too skinny. I run like 10 miles every single day, which is great because I love running. But it it doesn't look well. I look like Smeagol from Lord of the Rings. like Skinny little Gollum guy. So I'm going to try to beef up. Do why? I don't know. But it's time. After I went to the gym, then I go up to my kitchen. And I also do not frequent that kitchen often. I am a man I'm a very simple man who doesn't know how to cook. I made steak and eggs. Yes, I'm still on the carnivore diet for those asking. And um, by the way, it was really funny. I was running downtown and someone recognized me. They said, hey, hey, are you Bend Eater? And I said, yes. And they said they listen to the morning show every single morning. And I was very appreciative about that. And the biggest takeaway from my interaction with that listener that I had never met before was my carnivore diet. They had a million questions. So I'm still eating the meat. Hence the reason I had steak and eggs at four o'clock this morning. Who makes? Who is making steak? I don't know, but I was. So I feel like I've been up for basically eight hours and I need a nap, but it's time to start the morning show and ain't nobody got time for that, right? Isn't that what they say? Uh, what was her name? The woman with bronchitis. <laughs> All right, so we're going to have a lot of fun. Coming up on The Morning Show, Robin Poffman, former AP journalist, is going to join us in about uh, 10 minutes for a couple different big stories that we're going to work through. My gosh, just so much to talk about. At 8.35, we are going to be joined by, and I'm really excited about this guest, uh, because we've worked with confidential care in years past. Lady by the name of Kathy Waterbury. Maybe you've heard of her. Great, great pro-lifer, executive director at Confidential Care Ministry, because word comes out yesterday that Gavin Newsom has declared war not on the fact that his state is the worst one in the entire nation, um, but on Tennessee because of our pro-life loss. Rolls out all of these pro-abortion. I mean, abortion on demand. This guy's a, a horrible, horrible human, but is now attacking Tennessee Republicans on their stance over the abortion issue. Also, the big Supreme Court rolling down in Alabama with I- IVF. We'll jump into that as well because a lot of people are talking about it. And then, of course, Steve Gill joins the program. We're going to bump him to eight eighteen this morning and talk about what happened in South Carolina, which was huge for President Trump and the America First movement. What did they call that race? In like two minutes, um, polls closed and immediately they declared Trump... The winner. I was watching NBC yesterday. Kristen Welker, <laughs> the way she rolled out that segment on the primaries in South Carolina, she was like it was a massive mudslide. Uh, tr- trumped over Nikki Haley, so it wasn't good for the former governor of South Carolina. But back at home, a lot of people talking about a beloved pastor a guy by the name of Clemmy Livingston Jr. 70-year-old pastor at New Zionfield Baptist Church. Well, yesterday, before delivering a sermon and address to his constituents, a thug was trying to steal a car in his parking lot. This according to WREG, who spoke to a church member. Officers then responded to a shooting. This happened at 913. What they discovered was that Pastor Livingston tried to stop two men from stealing one of his parishioners vehicles. It was the Sunday school teacher's car. They fired multiple shots at the pastor as they fled the scene. Police are still looking to arrest these two thugs. Now you're going to hear from the pastor's grandson. He's a 17 year old named Cavian Woodland. He told WREG he was supposed to preach during the Sunday service. And here is what he had to say, as well as another constituent in this audio obtained by WREG and Cut Sixteen. This is my
1: pastor, and I love him like it's crazy because like I never witnessed nothing nothing like
2: this. Somebody tried to take one of the church member cars, and my greatest stepped up. He was a man of giving, willingness, kindness, compassion. He was a man that never did wrong towards nobody. He feared no evil. He came out to church to protect the car because he feared no evil. Honestly, I'm sick and tired of losing people to gun violence, to cars. I lost seven friends due to gun violence. I lost two friends to cars. And I'm not enough to 17. It's time to stop the violence. It's time to stop the robbing, stop the killing. It's time to put the guns down.
0: It is time to put the guns down. But then you have other churches around town chopping up guns over the weekend. This is, I I didn't expect to go here, but it kind of tees into another story. Um, Local 24 did this wild, wild piece on how one church in town over the weekend asked their constituents to actually bring their guns to the church and the church pastor would actually destroy them and what they were going to do is turn them into garden and garden tools take a listen to this unbelievable here in cut number uh this is in 15.
2: kelly as soon as i turned on the road near the church you could hear the saw and to see a line of cars waiting to turn in their guns taking guns and putting them into gardens. Guns to Garden is a national movement that made its way to Memphis.
3: I saw other areas, cities, college towns, rural towns that were doing this kind of thing. I thought maybe this is something that could catch on here.
2: Pastor Patrick Harley, along with the congregation at Evergreen Presbyterian Church, and experts were able to dismantle unloaded guns so they could no longer legally be firearms. Joanna Burkett, who is a member of the church, volunteered to chop up the guns. Oh, I'm over there with the chop saw, chopping up pieces of guns. And love the Memphis community and wanted to do something, uh, even if it may seem like a small thing, to be able to make a difference in, in the safety and peace in our community. The Guns to Garden movement works to dismantle guns to reduce gun violence In communities then takes the metal from those guns and creates garden tools and art just to give people hope that um and feel like there is something that they can do and that that it is not all just despair and hopelessness harley said so much work is already happening to stop violence in Memphis,
3: so I, I hope with with their continued efforts, with maybe bold and and creative things like this today, and then
0: he said he hopes this just adds to it. All right, so at the at the Baptist church, you have a pastor being shot, you have these thugs shooting the pastor, and then at the Presbyterian church, they are calling on their parishioners to bring all of their guns to the pastor, and the pastor is going to chop up those said guns because that will reduce crime in the city of Memphis. You guys are reacting to this devastating news of this pastor who is in stable condition. They said he was shot in the mouth. Just unbelievable. Brooks says, this makes me so sad. Lord, help us return to you and make wise decisions in the voting booth, praying for a revival in our city. Deb writes, mayor and chief of police doing nothing. Nay, 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 nay. No, Deb, because... At 7.35 this morning, we are going to jump into the mayor's new plan to reduce crime. Omaha 360. Have you heard of her or him or whatever? It sounds like something from Dorothy Explorer. But anyhow, this is the new fabric, the blueprint of how we're going to stop crime. Do you think it will work? Taking your calls and comments this morning. See more of those. We'll read through in just one moment. But we're going to take a break. Come back and talk to Robin Poffman. Our number 901-260-5926. 901-260-KWAM. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the morning show. You know, elections have consequences. And... The folks down in Georgia are starting to process that, and the, real, the the country at large, you have an open border, you have illegals coming into this country, unvetted, undocumented. We don't know who's in this country. And the next thing you know, you have a 22-year-old beautiful nursing student by the name of Lakin Riley was murdered, cold blood. Here to join us and break down the story, more former AP journalist and American journalist, she's the best, Robin Poffman. Robin, thank you for joining us. Just devastating news.
4: Yeah, hey Ben, good morning. You know, it, it's such a sin um, that this girl is gone. Uh, she had such a promising future. And uh, her, her only crime is uh, going out for a jog. Uh, and you know, it's clearly not a crime. She did nothing wrong. She was uh, assaulted by this maniac, a monster, a criminal. And um, now the media, some of the media, has done a big deep dive into this. And it turns out that ICE reporting, Immigration Customs Enforcement, is saying that this uh, lunatic killer uh, entered our country illegally from Venezuela in uh, 2022 in Texas. And then uh, was shipped up to New York City, where he was apparently um, uh, arrested for another crime, endangering the welfare of uh, minor children. And then he was released because you have D.A. Alvin Bragg up there, who doesn't believe, you know, he's a George Soros, you know, let them all go guy. And then he apparently uh, made the uh, trip down to Georgia, uh, got a cheap apartment on the Athens campus, right near campus. I mean, where this guy's apartment is uh, five minutes from the location in this park on this path. And um, it's a disgrace. I am hearing um, from my sources that part of the attack, unfortunately, was actually captured on video, which Mm. would be released at trial. Um, I applaud. You know, I have some issues with uh, Governor Kemp from a couple of years back here from the election, but I am applauding the governor for writing this scathing letter to president Biden. And by the way, blowing off the governor's dinner, that was the right move. And that governor Georgia governor, Brian Kemp, Republican doing the right thing by demanding answers from the Biden administration as to why this keeps happening. Also want to add in here. I don't know how much time we have been, but the Associated Press, shame on you, AP. Wow. Because they are pointing the finger saying, oh, yeah, you should, you know, women should be where when they're jogging. And nowhere in the story does it mention that this man is an illegal alien. It's yeah. shameful. Robin. This is what's killing our country.
0: I have that headline and I want to get your reaction um, because this is what the AP is reporting. This was their headline from this story that you just broke down. The killing of a nursing student out for a run highlights the fears of so solo female athletes and what they do. They go. Carol Capps runs regular regularly in the forested areas of the University of Georgia campus, where the body of a 22 year old nursing student was found earlier this week after she was reported missing from her morning run. Capps, this runner, said the trails around the lake, always seems safe, a place where she could get away from traffic, go to the woods for some mental clarity. This is the issue that a lot of people are having, and for good reason. They go on to write, quote, but the sense of peace was shattered after authorities found the body of Lakin, Hope, Riley, and arrested Athens resident Jose Antonia Ilbara, 26, on suspicion of murder. He's not an Athens resident. He's not a resident of this country. He's
4: just illegal. Athens. Athens resident. I mean, that is so shame. I couldn't even get past reading the headline. I was so ticked off. Um, Athens resident. Whoever wrote that needs to be fired today. And it's un-American. And this is the mainstream media that is killing our country. We have all these low information voters out there. People who are not plugged into the news like you are, like I am, like the owner of this, you know, radio station, Todd Sarnes is. And that's what's so amazing, you know, like Todd started this station to, to tell truth. And for the people who are, are hired, who work for him at KWM, to tell truth. And that is just a blatant lie to say that he's an Athens resident. That is just a, a cover up. That's like using the words undocumented migrant. No mm-hmm. folks, it's illegal aliens. Illegal aliens. Whenever I refer to people who are here illegally, they are illegal aliens. None of this undocumented migrants garbage. And that's the same thing. Calling him calling him an Athens Athens resident. That is shameful and disrespectful to
0: the deceased. I, I really hope the family of this twenty two year old sue. I, I don't know if they'll be able to sue Um, The city, I don't know if they'll be able to sue the Biden administration, but it's clear you can make the link that the blood of that nursing student is on the hands of Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Alejandro Mayorkas, the entire Democrat Party, because why they have allowed and basically accepted anybody from anywhere, and they're not just from these southern countries, you mentioned Venezuela, they're coming from the Middle East, they're coming from China, is because it is a secure way to get votes. They will stop at nothing, Robin, to remain in power. I mean, look at what the president's doing with this Supreme Court ruling against student loans. He said, well, screw that. I'm going to do it anyhow, because this is a sure way to get young people to vote for me. It's all power for them.
4: You know it's interesting because you know on college campuses across the you know and ben, you know on college campuses across the country there there's usually um, a, uh, a liberal element some places more than others correct mm-hmm. and you would think in this situation in Athens and while you know Georgians you know there are people in that area that are very conservative um, and that you know we are a red state. Um, I would tell you that in in a crooked stick kind of way, that this is going to have students. And I can think of a few people I know who have kids there, right, that maybe you were, you know, leaning left and into all this. And now you see how the world really works and what the Biden administration is really doing. See, that's why the AP is covering up and calling this guy an Athens resident. But there are students that are onto this and saying, okay, who murdered my friend? Who murdered my classmate? And when you find out who the person is and how this person got here and you get to the truth, maybe you start voting Republican and conservative and voting for Trump. Maybe there's a crooked stick moment in this that it turns, it wakes people up and turns their head and changes the vote and actually has the opposite effect of what the Democrats are intending.
0: That would be my hope that that would be one silver lining out of this tragic death. Um, But I don't expect unless it's honest people like you, people like Todd Stearns getting the truth out there because you point to the AP. I was watching Fox yesterday. Governor Kemp was on and he says he said at that time yesterday, Robin, that the Biden administration had not reached out to him as the governor of this state. And you just suppose that to the response when, for example, um, George Floyd, I mean, look at that death that happened. I mean, the president had released, I believe, over 22 statements um, using that death to gain political power, um, to truly destroy this country and divide it among racial lines um, against black Americans and law enforcement. And yet they have issued nothing in this death. And I can expect them probably not to do that.
4: No. And I'm sure that KJP, Karine Jean-Pierre at the white house today at the briefing, if they even hold one, uh, is not going to say anything about this. I mean, what, what can you say when you're the cause of the, when you're the cause of the problem? Yeah. And I think that going forward, you know, there's students that are coming back to campus today and there's going to be a vigil held for this, A beautiful nursing student who had such a promising future. Her Mm. funeral, think about that. Her funeral is going to be on Friday in Woodstock, Georgia, where she's from. How heartbreaking for her sister, her parents, everyone who loved this girl. This would never have happened if if the border was closed. And you know what? Sadly, Ben, this is going to keep on happening because we don't know who the heck is here. And I've been saying this. You've heard me say it on Todd's show. You know, we're going to have a catastrophic terrorist event in addition to these, you know, other rapes and burglaries and other crimes, uh, because the door is wide open to it and we're not doing the vetting. The border needs to be closed this afternoon.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Going to leave it there. Robin, appreciate your great reporting. Thanks for jumping on. You know of what you speak. And that's why we wanted to get you on this Monday. Um, Have a great rest of the week. All right you too my friend. All right, good stuff. Robin Poffman on our phone line this morning. I'm um, coming up in just a couple minutes. We're going to go back to some local headlines, but again, it is appalling what is happening and when I saw this reporting coming out of Georgia and these false and fraudulent headlines that the AP are running. We saw similar in our own backyard when Eliza Fletcher The young mom of two was murdered while out on a jog. That was two years ago. And you had all of these vigils take place across the country. All of these women coming forward and saying, despite this headline in Memphis, and now what we're seeing in Georgia, we will not cower in fear. We will put on our running shoes. We will lace up and we will go run and finish the run for, in this case, it would be Lakeland or um, Eliza Fletcher. But the same thing in Memphis. It is not just women being unable to run every single day. This has not been a problem. It's only been a problem because we have leaders, and I use that in air quotes, that have implemented destructive and deadly policies. In the case of Eliza Fletcher, that was preventable. Cleotha Abstin, her kidnapper and murderer had been released multiple times back onto the streets and it's not like we didn't know what this man this monster was capable of doing because he had kidnapped kidnapped another person and raped multiple women they released him out onto the streets those two little boys don't have their mom Eliza it is preventable but that's only if we get to the voting booth and vote out all of these Democrats and I've said on this program and I know it makes people uncomfortable but I believe some of these Democrats And you look at their policies They hate the country They hate America They hate Memphis More on the other side Don't go away
5: Pepper, that's absolutely right. Memphis Mayor Paul Young has been in office for less than two months. However, he's used this short time to look at how other cities are tackling crime. He now plans to use an initiative leaders in Omaha, Nebraska are using. The plan is to build a framework that brings different sectors of the community under one accessible umbrella. He says his team is also looking at what other cities have done. Like Omaha, Nebraska, where the number of gunshot victims was cut in half in the past 15 years its omaha 360 strategy gets representatives from every part of the community including the school system churches housing businesses police politicians hundreds show up to weekly meetings where they go over recent data and mobilize resources to tackle underlying
0: issues all right now we are going to be discussing Omaha 360. This is interesting because it's almost like the media now has its new fixation. I've been, I had heard about Omaha 360 by a couple different stakeholders when discussing crime around town with different folks. And they said this plan is going to be implemented in the city of, of Memphis, Tennessee. And I thought, okay, this is very interesting because they said it reduced crime over, first of all, 17 years and it cut it in half. And I immediately thought, well, let's get this going. I mean, we don't have seven. Do we have 17 years Memphis Mid-South to implement a plan that will take over a decade, almost two decades? I would say no, but maybe just maybe something will will be used. Maybe some of these tools and you heard the reporting by two different TV stations on this on this plan and and when I started this morning and I was prepping for the show I I just typed in a couple numbers first of all I wanted to know are we a similar city to Omaha Nebraska it will shock you to find out that we are we are not when they looked at their high crime and I believe when their crime was the worst it had been it was in 2007 and they had get this 47 homicides for, for, if we had 47 homicides in 2024 I, I would be like this is utopia we are living in a mecca this is heaven so that was the highest crime wave that they had had in Omaha Nebraska so they cut that homicide rate down to 50 percent to where they are now I believe last year And what they are championing, and and good for the folks in Nebraska, is that I believe it was like 24 homicides in the year of 2023. If you look at the demographics, they are a majority white city. I mean, it's not even close. So, again, we're just comparing apples and oranges. But let's hear from the mayor, who spoke to Local 24, and here's what he had to say about this plan. Take a listen and cut 11.
1: Our hope is that this Omaha 360 framework model is going to uncover other programs that are operating in neighborhoods and communities and hopefully blossom new ones.
0: So if I look at the plan correctly, and I genuinely try to understand this, so it was started in 2009 by the Empowerment Network in Omaha. It involved nonprofits, neighborhood associations, churches, and local law enforcement. They basically met once a week in a big crime forum. Uh, Main component, according to Barney, who is the sheriff in Omaha, said it was to regularly connect with the community and listen to their input. They would host an hour-long public forum with an update from law enforcement and community partners. Again, they saw a decrease in their homicide rate but do you think that, um, and, and I'm laughing a little bit because it's just, it's kind of funny to think that we are going to use a model used for a city that does not have a crime problem like ours and use it as ours and somehow expect that the pastor that was shot in the face at his church on Sunday won't continue to happen. Now, Wreg ran a long, long piece, and this was like two weeks ago. And I went back and looked at it because they flushed this out a little bit with the mayor, and they wanted to know, well, how exactly will you get all of the nonprofits? Because, listen, I've heard this a million times. Stakeholders, we need community input. We need our partners in the local community. We need every neighborhood association group at the table. Okay. Fine, but we can all pull our t- our chairs up to said table. But if we don't have our criminal court judges at the table because they are sleeping or they're not doing their job, none of this matters. Also, if we have a district attorney that looks at very violent defendants and releases them back out onto the streets, I don't care if it's Omaha, 360, Fairbanks, 180. It, it's not going to work. It's, it just won't. WREG, fleshing this out a little bit more, we'll come back and talk about it. And then I will share a city that has implemented a plan in a city with a larger homicide rate. We'll go to Detroit, Michigan and look at their government website because they have seen the largest decrease in crime in over 60 years. It's incredible what's happening in Detroit. And that is what we need to be doing. But take a listen to this in cut number
1: 13. There's a small amount of people that is creating the bulk of the chaos in our community.
5: Memphis Mayor Paul Young says his team is working on various strategies to get those people off the streets. What have you started to implement?
1: Yeah, so behind the scenes, we've been having a lot of discussions with some of our national partners and internally around how we can be more aggressive with identifying those that are committing the crimes.
5: Like stepping up investigative services. He says his team is also looking at what other cities have done, like Omaha, Nebraska, where the number of gunshot victims was cut in half in the past 15 years. Its Omaha 360 strategy gets representatives from every part of the community, including the school system, churches, housing, businesses, police, politicians, hundreds show up to weekly meetings where they go over recent data and mobilize resources
1: to tackle underlying issues. We want to build a structure that allows for us to seamlessly communicate communicate share data he
5: says they're now working on a similar system while also adding a new office focused on violence intervention and ways to invest more in our youth
1: what we have to do as a community is introduce other options to them we want to open up our community centers and engage them
0: again if i had a dime for every time i heard the word community center i would be a billionaire. We can build more community centers and they will burn them to the ground. That has not worked in the last 60 years of Democrat control where they build basketball courts, pickleball courts, community centers. It's not working. So what else are we going to do? This is why I have zero confidence in Omaha 360. And again, I'm not being a curmudgeon. I'm trying to be positive on this Monday morning, but... We're not Omaha, Nebraska. We're Memphis, Tennessee. We're the most dangerous city in America. But you look at other dangerous cities in America and post the pandemic, many cities saw a decrease in their crime. Memphis was the exception. For example, in Detroit through November 30th, so this would have been last year, there were 228 criminal homicides in Detroit. That was an eighteen percent drop from the two seventy-eight killings during the same period of the year before, so they saw an eighteen percent drop in their murders. Okay, Detroit has been known to being a Democrat-controlled city that is a war zone, but it wasn't just Detroit. Chicago, you might find this very interesting because they are. I mean, it, it is just unbelievable how many homicides happen every single weekend in the Windy City. They reported according to the Chicago Tribune that they saw a double digit decline in their homicides in last year in Philadelphia. They reported that their homicides were down 19% in 2023 as well. So all of these cities that have been destroyed by crime and destroyed by democratic policies even despite all that, saw a drop in their homicides. Ours only increased. We got to 398 in the year of 2023. So Jerry Green, the progressive on the city council, has been screaming about Detroit, Michigan, and we're starting to hear more people talk about it, and that's why I wanted to spend a minute on it. So not only did they see a significant drop in homicides, they also saw their carjackings, which we have a fair share of, drop as well. And I went to their website, their governmental website, and they rolled out exactly what they did to see the results in their crime. And I could tell you it looks very different than the Omaha 360 blueprint. So I need City Hall to scrap the whole 360 thing and let's do a Detroit 180. If you look at their website, the first thing they did was give their officers a $10,000 raise which allowed the DPD to place 200 additional officers on the streets. Number two, they implemented what they called neighborhood violence prevention. So what their officers did, they identified and targeted likely locations of crowd gathering and potential neighborhood violence, i.e. block parties, street takeovers, and potential hotspots. So they were smart with their policing. They were not just putting all of their police on Beale Street. Yes, that's fine. But are we seeing the street takeovers on Beale Street? No, we're seeing those in places like South Memphis near the airport, Airways. They then cracked down on neighborhood drag racing and drifting. They went through a list of ways they did this. We're going to have to take a break. We'll share more of this in just a moment. But I am curious to hear from our audience who will be paying for this. Mind you, a taxpayer in this city will be on the hook for Omaha 360. Are you confident that if we roll this out that we will see our crime drop by 50% like in Nebraska? Or do we look at something like Detroit where they actually got tough on criminals in a little bit, you'll hear from the mayor of Detroit talking about the backlog of criminal cases. COVID was a nightmare. It happened here. All right. No more excuses. It's 2024. And they cleared those up. And as a result, they got those defendants behind bars and didn't release them back out onto the streets. So we're going to take a break. We'll read your comments, but feel free to phone in this morning because I would love to hear from the taxpayer. 901 260 5926. 991-260-5926. two six zero five nine two six. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the morning edition of the morning show. Let me read through a couple of your comments before we get to our our Dylan Dandridge, who is our sports guy over here. Um, let me read through Chris Hackett, our friends over in Tipton County, the Republican Party, writing. Gun chopping, really, there are some things you cannot fix. That's a great point. So the Presbyterian church in town called on their parishioners to bring all of their guns to the church and the place of worship. And they actually sought up their parishioners guns because that is how you fix, quote unquote, gun violence. I would disagree with that. I think when you have the Baptist pastor being shot on Sunday morning because you have these thugs. Did they really think when they released this in the bulletin or the Sunday announcements that yes, church to love God, love others and give us your gun. This will reduce crime that the criminals that I don't think they go to church. I may be wrong. The only time that the thuglings are going to church, it's not for Sunday school. It's to steal the Sunday school's teacher like they were doing at the Baptist church. They are not going to turn over their weapons. They do know that. Correct. So what? I mean, jokes on the parishioners over at the Presbyterian Church that ultimately lost all of their guns in the sake of getting guns out of the hands of bad people. Because since when did not only criminals not follow the law, but thuglings don't go to church because if they started going to church. I, I I would suggest and make the case that we would probably see a reduction in crime. I was at church yesterday, and no, we didn't talk about commandment, what is it, number 10, thou shalt not murder, I don't know, it's one of the commandments, uh, they're not listening, okay, they're just not, so uh, you can't really get your gun back because now they're in a garden um, shed. Because we'll play this story in a couple minutes. But basically, it's this nonprofit where they turn guns into gardens. It's beautiful, isn't it? Van writes this. This Omaha plan won't work. Crime has been allowed to go on way too long here. Sounds like nothing more than Sesame Street style planning that will fix absolutely nothing. Then you're exactly right, because what you need to know when you hear the word Omaha, because I can tell you the media, the stakeholders in the city and City Hall, they're going to say that this is going to reduce crime in our city of Memphis, Tennessee. Just remember that when crime was the worst in Nebraska and this this town of Omaha, it was 42 homicides. <laughs> so again, apples to oranges, Dean referring to Cleotha Abstin, the murder of the young jogger, Eliza Fletcher. He wrote, he was out of jail because COVID control. Too many in jail and they wanted to control COVID in the jail. So they released this violent perpetrator out back onto our streets. And then Kelsey ending with this, they never let police be part of that committee here. And that's a big reason why it won't work. And she's referring to in Detroit, one of the things that they did was not only did they untie the hands of law enforcement, they then paid their officers $10,000 more, added 200 more boots to the ground, and then targeted... You know, in Memphis, that would never. Can you imagine the word "target" is making every leftist in the city their heads explode? They would target areas where the street takeovers were happening, the donut mafia's, and again, in the words of our progressive city council, that tends to be a majority minority party town, and that would make those officers, despite them being many black officers, racist. So, insanity. It's insanity. All right, Dylan. We have some good news. Let's talk the Tigers because over the weekend they had a much needed win
6: didn't they? Yeah we beat uh, FAU which is Florida Atlantic University. Uh, if you remember in March madness last year they actually went pretty far in the tournament um, and then we, so we beat them yesterday I believe or Saturday um, and a huge win. Um, the, the, the problem is we still have three games left and the best we can finish in our conference is like 12-6, and um, which wouldn't put us at the top or maybe even not even contending with conference championships. So I don't know what this looks like for the end of the season. Hopefully, you know, if we win out, there's a chance we could get a good bid, but I don't know. Okay, so there's definitely been some team drama.
0: There has. There's been a lot of team drama. And speaking of drama, center... For the Tigers, Malcolm Dandridge. Who are you related to, <laughs> Dylan? No, not this that is, I like, know. Of. A distant cousin. He is my favorite player. Oh no! Well, he's being held out of the competition yeah. as the University of Memphis investigates a potential issue regarding his
6: eligibility. So um, it's weird that they're they're like pointing this out now when we have three games left. He's played the whole season. Mm-hmm. You're just now figuring this out. I don't know. Kind of weird. How about the Grizzlies? We'll check in with them.
0: Doing all right? No? Mm, They lost. So not as all right. Okay, so where did we go over the weekend? Grind City Brewery. Grind City Brewery. Have you all been there? It's a really neat venue. Now, the weird thing about Grind City Brewery is that it took you through North Memphis. Or (laughs) I don't think it was supposed to take us through North Memphis, but Dylan and I drove there together. And they took us through a part of town that you do not want to go through to get to the brewery. Now, once you got to the brewery, it was fantastic. Great view of the city. You had the pyramid. You had the I-40 bridge lighting up in the background. Very good beers. Very good seltzers. I was a big fan. But we were thinking, Dylan, with the protection of this company and maybe an armored vehicle, (laughs) do we do a special going through north and south memphis and investigate it for ourselves because i will tell you todd has p- uh, petitioned me to do something similar to this which is you need to go see these neighborhoods that have been destroyed by crime for yourself and it took us about
6: two minutes to drive through a little bit of the neighborhood and uh <laughs> we saw a lot yeah you were just pointing out you were like sightseeing where the crime happens with me you're like hey over here, this is where I reported last week. And I was like, great. <laughs> Glad we're going here.
0: So when I first moved to Memphis, I learned the city based off crime reporting. I didn't know streets. I didn't know the different zip, ca- the zip codes across the city of Memphis. So I'm new to the city. I then start driving around once I got my bearings. And I'm like, I'm going to go to Kroger. And I'm going to go find a target. So I would navigate myself through the city. And I was looking up at the street signs, and it dawned on me that the places where I frequent most were very crime-ridden <laughs> areas. And now being in this city for what has been two and a half years, I know the good parts of town and the bad parts of town. But it's interesting because it doesn't take more than a left turn to go from a good part to a bad part. Yep. It's like little postage stamps.
6: You know they keep the horses over there, right? Oh, my gosh. That's why we saw it.
0: We were driving in North Memphis. (laughs) Again, the GPS screwed us over. The next thing we look up, it's like 9 o'clock at night, and there is a horse and buggy in North Memphis. (laughs) In the neighborhood. I was like, what is this? Strasburg in Pennsylvania? Is this Lancaster? No, it was Memphis. And there was a wild, wild horse and buggy traversing the streets of North Memphis a wild wild weekend and we live to tell the tale we did all right dylan thank you for the sports update more on the other side don't go away steve gill dropping by we're going to talk about south carolina is there a path forward for the former governor of south carolina nikki haley also kathy waterbury executive director at confidential care mobile ministry will be here in our number two as well don't go away And welcome back to the morning show hour number two. Glad you guys are joining us. Before we jump into this busy hour, I do want to remind you to download the app. I know some of you guys have expressed concerns or frustrations in the signal. We are working and we are going to resolve a lot of issues with our AM signal, and that will happen in May. But in the meantime, I want you to just download our app. You can stream the show as you go. And also on our website, kwamradio.com. That's how my mom, who listens in Pennsylvania every single morning, listens to this show. All right. So President Biden, according to the Daily Mail, says the key to his marriage is is, is good sex. This is revolting in every single way. The headline from this exclusive, how Joe Biden infuriates Jill, his wife of 47 years, with very risky jokes to staff about their private life, even though they aren't shy about their PDA. Details about the Biden's marriage are revealed in Katie Rogers' forthcoming book, America Woman. I do not want to get my hands on this copy. I will tell you that right now. Do we really think that the president is having good sex? I'm just saying the guy can barely navigate to his alarm stand or his nightstand to shut off the alarm. I mean, he can barely stumble to the podium when he gets to the podium. He ends up in the bathroom or an ice cream shop. And if he's not in the ice cream shop, well then he's screwing over the country. So maybe that is the only sex happening. I mean, I think what they're trying to do here and follow my train of thought is they're trying to humanize this man. Because right now the attack is that he is incapable. He is incompetent. What over 83% of Americans do not believe he is competent. So the Daily Mail running this piece showing his competency in bed. is that going to work? <laughs> on that, I don't want I don't want to add anything to that. It's just the whole thing is disgusting. I don't want to picture it. I, I feel like we're on the receiving end of him doing bad things to the country. I don't want to know what they're doing together after hours, but I can tell you, I don't think it's having steamy romantic love. I think he is probably taking a whole slew of pills. I think that he is probably uh, has the sleep act, whatever the sleep uh, Mac, what is the machine? I don't know uh, because he cannot sleep at night. and, and, At that, I'll just move on because anymore, I'm going to throw up the coffee that I just consumed this morning. So I wanted to revisit a quick story. Of course, a lot of people really upset our numbers on our social media has exploded um, because a lot of black Memphians are turning away from the Democratic Party. And for good reason, right? If you look at the three issues, you have crime, you have the economy, and you have immigration, And right now, all three categories are at an all-time high. Crime, terrible. Look at the immigration. Look at these black Chicagoans. They're fed up because they're being othered by illegals. And then you look at the economy. No one can pay for food right now. I don't care what color you are. So the president of the United States was addressing black conservatives over the weekend. This was the Black Conservative Federation. And... Here's what his message was to black conservatives. And I thought it was pretty good. Take a listen and cut it.
7: Our message to the black community in this election will be a very simple one. If you want strong borders, safe neighborhoods, rising wages, good jobs, great education and the return of the American dream, then congratulations. You are a Republican. It's pretty simple. (laughs)
0: So the president there being received by that black audience, black conservatives, they understand the contrast between the last three years under President Biden and the four years under his administration. I mean, unemployment for black Americans were at an all time high. Crime in cities were on the low end. But he had this to say as well, and it made leftist heads explode. And when I say explode, the chirons on the the television sets, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, I mean the Washington Times, uh, the uh, the Washington Post. Excuse me, I'm getting my liberal papers mixed up. They ran. President Trump once again showing how racist he is by saying these comments. Take a listen to this in cut number seven.
7: These lights are so bright in my eyes that I can't see too many people out there. But uh, I can only see the black ones. I can't see any white ones. You see, that's how far I've come. That's how far I've come. That's a long That's a long way, isn't it? We've all seen the mugshot. And you know who embraced it more than anybody else? The black population. It's incredible. You see black people walking around with my mugshot. You know, they do shirts and they sell them for $19 a piece. It's pretty amazing.
0: (laughs) I mean, it's funny stuff. I, and I'm being told by the America Journalist Society that I am not allowed to talk about this because I'm a white person, though I'm going to talk about this. But let me recuse myself as a white broadcaster to our black listeners. Is what President Trump said offensive to you? Yes or no, because the mainstream media doubled down criticizing the president for using these criminal investigations to appeal to black voters. Take a listen to Michael Tyler. He was on MSNBC in cut nine.
8: The fact that this man is trying to appeal to black voters by citing his own criminal investigations and citing his own mugshot, I think tells us everything we need to know about how he sees us. Uh, mm-hmm. Frankly, this man can try to do that, or he can try to hawk bootleg sneakers all he wants, but the problem for him is that his record is as loud as the shoes, right? Like, we know uh, what uh, life for black America was like under Donald Trump. The things that went up for black America under his presidency was the unemployment rate and the uninsured rate also our collective blood pressure due to the just tirade of racist vitriol and chaos that we saw every single day for him uh, and so obviously this is going to be a direct point of contrast for uh, the duration of the campaign from now until november
0: all right so wrong statistically and factually that unemployment was higher under President Trump. That is actually a blatant lie, but I would expect that from an MSNBC panelist. But it was not President Trump making up a fake news headline saying that after his indictments, his 93 in- charges with these four fraudulent indictments caught the eye of black America. Look what happened in Fulton County, Georgia. After crooked Fannie Willis made up some slew of charges that he was in the ear of uh, election commission folks there and to steal an election. And so they book him in jail. They get the mug shot. No, what happened after that, if you recall, go back in time, you had thousands of black Georgia folks standing alongside the roadways where the president's, the president's motorcade passed through those streets. And they were cheering for the president no they were not laughing they were not mocking the president they were standing with president trump because what they saw was that this was a clear example of a two-tiered system of justice and since then i mean it is almost every other day there's another report where black americans are walking away from the democratic party so it's very clear That Do they really think that President Trump is a racist? Well, maybe. They think everybody is a racist. They think fireworks are racist. They think water is racist. They think the air is racist. So probably yes, but I think for real hardworking black Americans, what they heard from the president did not offend them. What offends them is for an administration to try to pander to black voters and host a KFC spread. With two black kids and a black dad. And President Biden, this old white dude, is sitting there talking about the importance of sons loving their dads, dads sticking around. And they're doing it while eating KFC. That is racist. That is pandering. I mean, this is the same party where you have Hillary Clinton talking about her love for hot sauce on a black podcast. I mean, these people are panders. The president is the pander in chief. So they are projecting. My boss, Todd Starnes, wrote this on our ex, formerly known as Twitter. The left is mocking President Trump's effort to recruit recruit more black voters. In Memphis on KWAM, we have seen an 11% surge in black listeners, all conservatives. They've seen how democratic policies have turned a beautiful city into a war zone. And with that, let's go to our phone line, joined by Melanie Mosley, a black conservative in town, a good friend of this show, and I would love to get her response. Melanie, thank you for joining the program. What's on your mind?
9: Good morning, Ben. How are you?
0: I cannot complain. Curious to hear your reaction to what you just heard.
9: Okay, so, let's, we you, know, you and I, we always talk facts. Facts over emotions or whatever. So... Um, Donald Trump is increasing with the black vote, and he's getting a good crossover vote from the Democrats, and I think he's also picking up with the independents. So, um, to say that unemployment among the black community was low during Trump's uh, presidency. Also, he was the first president that gave Um, I think it's up to 10 years, an annual commitment to HBCUs to make sure that African-Americans can go to school and be educated. Also, if you look at South Carolina, if you add up Nikki Haley's numbers, because, you know, um, Gavin Newsom said he supports Nikki Haley. So, you know, she has to be a surrogate for the Democrats. Uh, If you look at her total numbers in South Carolina and Joe Biden, they don't even add up to Trump's numbers. So Trump is winning in this race. Uh, people are waking up. We want better uh, for our communities. We want a uh, um, handle on crime. If you look at our city in particular, do you really think that the actions by some other leaders are for the good of Memphis? Or are they just, you know, doing something just for the sake of doing it? Say, here, here you go. Because crime is not reduced. We are at an all-time high of murders in Memphis as of today. Yeah, from compared to last year, you know. And if That's I a great can point. skip over a little bit just to the education system, you pick a leader who <laughs> comes from the worst school system in the in the in the United States to put her over our already. You know, school system is trying to come back, make you know, make differences under the interim. Kyle, but you choose her. So, you know, I am under the impression that, again, as I said, some other leaders, they don't have Memphis' um, best interest at hand.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. And again, Melanie, I appreciate you calling in. You've been generous enough to sponsor our Black History Month salute. You, along with the folks over at Mosley Tax and Accounting Service, truly the best when it comes to taxes. So, I thought it would be a missed opportunity not to plug the business, but thank you for sharing your thoughts. And again, thank you for using your voice in helping save our city of Memphis, because we've talked about this. We're going to do it right together. All of us on board, Senator Brent Taylor, we're going to take back our city.
9: We definitely will. And, Ben, thank you for doing a great job. Enjoy listening to you each and every morning, and keep up the
0: good work. Ah, you're too kind. All right, let's take a break. More on the other side with Steve Gill, 901-260-5926, 901-260-5926. We'll be right back. Can you guys believe it's already almost March? It's unbelievable. February 26th. It's just flying by, but we do have an extra day this month. Happy leap year, everyone. All right, let's go to our phone line real quick and talk to Steve Gill. We're going to roll through a couple different headlines. Steve, top of the morning to you. How are you? I'm
3: great. Good morning.
0: Okay, so let's start with Biden's sex life. Do you believe that he's actually having a wonderful sex life or do we file this one under fake (laughs) fake news?
3: I think I add this, that we can't believe anything this uh, mumbling buffoon says. I, keep in mind, this is a guy who, according to her own diary, would take showers with his young daughter, and she would try to fake uh, being asleep uh, so Daddy wouldn't come in. Uh, I, I guess his sex his life may be much more than Jill.
0: <clears throat> on that note, Steve, I am swallowing my coffee, and I am going to move on, but that's a sad but true point. I mean, also think about all of the crazy videos we've seen with him with little kids. Again, this is not slander. I'm just reporting what my eyes have seen with this man. All right. So speaking of presidential politics, who did we see it over the weekend? Nikki Haley. Um, she lost. But in her, I guess, speech addressing South Carolina voters, she promised that she will not drop out of the race. And here is why in cut number three.
1: I don't believe Donald Trump can beat Joe Biden. <laughs> Nearly every day, Trump drives people away, including with his comments just yesterday.
0: So she's taking great pride, Steve, in the fact that she got roughly around 40% of the vote. Trump took the rest of the 60. And she says that's a lot of independents that want her to stay in the race, and it's her obligation to do so.
3: Yeah, keep in mind, she's been about 16 times what Donald Trump's team spent in South Carolina. She's a former governor of that state and and got beat by over 20 points in an open primary where she was openly uh, encouraging Democrats to vote in the Republican primary, uh, Democrat-leaning independents to vote in the primary. Uh, And when you have uh, some of the exit polling showing that as much as half of the votes that she got were Democrats or Democrat-leaning independents, she's not bringing independents or democrats to the republican party she's encouraging them to vote and using anti-trump money to get them to vote just to hurt donald trump and if if she thinks she could beat joe biden why can't she beat donald trump
0: that's a great point it's a great point let me pull up this because she has been funded and the reporting came out yesterday that the billionaire Koch brothers and their network will suspend funding her campaign. So without the billionaire's money, it is going to get difficult for this woman as she heads into Super Tuesday, where if she thought that she did all right in South Carolina, it's another ball game when it comes to the rest of these states.
3: Well, and keep in mind, this is just one of the group of billionaires that are supporting her uh, strong pro Biden. Uh, Anti-American Democrats are pouring other millions and millions into her campaign. That's what's keeping her afloat and 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 helping to fund her friends who are getting the the piece of the action from those super PACs. Uh, She is she is continuing to run only to hurt Donald Trump. And the funding for her is only to try and hurt Donald Trump. Uh, And it's interesting that the Koch brothers that have been funding her her campaign, uh, they are part of the open borders. Let the borders be open and let the illegals come in so we can get cheap workers. She's part of the open border crowd. Uh, And yet that isn't being pointed out enough because that's where her money's coming from.
0: Why why is she doing this, Steve? Some people are floating that she might run with the no labels party. She has said, and she has pledged that she would not. She would support the eventual nominee. She also went on record about two months ago and said that she would vote for Trump over Biden, but she has since really stop saying that where do you think this all goes if you're a predicting person this morning
3: that she's a liar she has a long track record of saying one thing and doing another she said she wouldn't raise taxes in south carolina she raised the gas tax then denied she did it uh she's also someone who said that she would not run against donald trump and then she did so everything she says is frankly a lie uh which is why she ought to be a democrat instead of a republican and she really is a Democrat instead of a Republican. When you look at where her support is coming from, her ambitions, uh, she is truly a narcissist who is delusional when she thinks she can lose her way to first
0: place. Yeah, it also should be included, and you mentioned this, that in South Carolina's primaries, they're open. That means Democrats and independents and independents, excuse me, can vote in that race. So saying that 40% voted against Trump would also include a lot of Democrats and um independence so just wanted to fact check Nikki Haley and those that support her campaign all right meanwhile in the state of Tennessee in Nashville there is expected to be a big LGBTQ not right a protest. Protesting bills outside the Capitol. They're saying that one of these bills would ban LGBTQ flags from being waived in public schools. There are also one about banning transgenders from being able to walk into boys and girls bathrooms. Take a listen to the ad- ad- activists. We'll come back and give you the last word.
8: We come to show the positive power of our lived experience. I see other folks standing in the trenches with me. Holding the line, keeping things from
0: going back further.
2: Legislative attacks are meant to deny our existence and scare us back into the closet.
0: All right, Steve, give you the last word. You got a minute.
3: Yeah, it's pretty easy. If you have a penis, stay out of the girl's bathroom and the girl's locker room. This is simple. It's easy. It's biological. Look down and determine where you should go. And that's the hanging LGBT, BLM, other political flags in classrooms. They don't belong in the classrooms. They, they're not indoctrination sites. And the legislature needs to move ahead and, and, uh, and stop both of these uh, because it's just pushing a woke agenda. And keep in mind, they're not protesting the low test scores that our teachers and our schools are producing. Maybe instead of putting up gay flags in the classrooms, they ought to make sure kids, uh, that kids can read write and do arithmetic because they are failing at that.
0: Wow. Well said. Couldn't agree with you more. Steve on fire. We appreciate you breaking down some of those stories. We will catch up with you on Thursday, my friend. In the meantime, you can follow Steve's work at the Gill Report on X. Steve, thanks for dropping by. Thanks, my friend. As part of the protest today against the bathroom bill, as they call it, they will hold a vigil for a transgender teenager, or I guess they were saying non-binary Um, teenager out of Oklahoma named Next Benedict and I've seen this all over my Instagram and TikTok Um, this teenager died after a fight in a high school bathroom but the coroner has released an autopsy report and said that the teenager did not die as a result of being bullied and harassed and beat up in this bathroom but This is what they're using to thwart their pro LGBT advantage over, I guess, common sense Americans that just want boys to use boys bathrooms and girls to use girls bathrooms to suggest and argue for that case means that you're in favor of killing kids like next Benedict. Of course, that is a lie. That is a farce. Nothing of this report has been accurate, but that is what the left oftentimes does. On the other side of the break, very excited to welcome in studio a great pro-lifer in the city of Memphis. We're going to be talking about a couple local and state issues. More on the other side. Don't go away. And welcome back to the morning show. So you guys are back in full force, and I'm talking to commuters this morning, looking at a crash on Walnut Grove just past I-40. That's the westbound lanes there at Walnut Grove. Left shoulder is blocked, and it is backing up traffic, and it has for about the last hour. Also, we've got a crash on the north loop of I-40 westbound lanes at Warford Street. So we'll be following both of those, but those are the headaches for Monday morning commuters. As a matter of fact, it caught up our next guest who joins me in studio. Kathy Waterbury. Thank you for joining me. How are you? Thank
10: you. Good morning, Ben. How are you?
0: Kathy is the executive director at Confidential Care Mobile Ministry, and we'll talk about that in one moment, but very excited to just have you in studio to talk a a couple big stories when it comes to the pro-life movement, which Tennessee, Kathy, is at the forefront of. Yes. Okay, so let's talk about California Governor Gavin Newsom who has declared war against the state of Tennessee and will play his first series of TV ads accusing conservatives like you and the Tennessee GOP of holding women hostage by imposing restrictions on their travel for reproductive care. We have that ad. Take a listen and cut number um, that would be in cut number one, please.
2: Well, let me let me press you, though, Governor, do you think there is a week that access to abortion should be banned? I'm going
0: to I think we've established
3: that firmly in the context of what states are doing, like California, where we establish a constitutional right to access abortion. And at the end of the day, I think that's a determination for women and doctors as it relates to the issues in California. We've established that firmly in the state constitution as it relates to getting into the debate around late term abortion. That's a complete canard.
0: He says that is a complete canard. Here is that commercial criticizing our laws surrounding abortion and cut five.
2: Trump Republicans want to criminalize young women who travel to receive the reproductive care they need. Don't let them hold Tennessee women hostage. Take action at right dot org. Campaign for Democracy Group is responsible for the content of this
0: advertising. And Kathy, I want to get your response to that in the video of that commercial we just aired you have a teenager, very young girl, actually handcuffed to a hospital bed.
10: And that is ridiculous. This bill that Governor Gov, uh, Governor Newsom is referring to is, um, I mean, it restricts someone taking a minor across state lines to receive an abortion. So in the state of California, there's no restriction on abortion as it relates to age. So a 13-year-old in California can get an abortion without her parents' permission. And what our legislators are trying to do are protect minors.
0: That bill is House Bill 1895 in the state of Tennessee. And what it would do, as you pointed out, would prohibit an adult who is not the parent or guardian of a minor from facilitating an abortion for that minor without a parent's consent. So what you're saying is You cannot have just an abortion provider taking in a young teenager without the uh, consent of a parent and performing such a life uh, altering procedure. Exactly.
10: And what you're doing is you're protecting that minor who might be being trafficked, who um, may have been a victim of rape or incest, you know, from Taken her across the border to receive an abortion.
0: Also, I think it's important to point out, Kathy, that there is no criminal penalties in this bill for any pregnant minor who might be the victim of a rape or such things as incest in this legislation. So it is a false ad. Exactly. And one to just scare young people into voting for Democrats, which again is a reminder. Anytime Gavin Newsom is declaring war in our state, stay out of the volunteer state, focus on what's happening in California because you've got plenty of issues going around. And we'll get into how this is taking center stage with the presidential election, but how important is it to combat these lies with the truth that pro-lifers are not just pro baby, they are pro life for mothers as well.
10: Absolutely, you said it. Gavin Newsom needs to stay in California and stay out of um, the volunteer state. Our state is unapologetically pro life. We want to protect women and we want to support women. Not just um, we're not just pro 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 life. We're pro mom and we're pro baby.
0: How important is it to get that messaging out to women who? may be turned off by some Republicans because of rhetoric like this, that we do not need to run away from the topic of life. I mean, it is literally guaranteed in our Bill of Rights, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, and then turn it on them like Gavin Newsom in that NBC interview. He was on with Kristen Walker, and he literally could not look at that interviewer and say he was against post-partial abortions. I mean, we really have the upper leg on this one.
10: We absolutely do. I mean, California, and I think um, Gov- Governor Newsom would support abortion up to the time of birth, and partial birth abortion is a horrible, um, a horrible thing for women.
2: Mm-hmm. I
0: want to get your reaction to the latest coming out of Alabama's highest court surrounding IVF, vitro fertilization. So they ruled that frozen embryos created and stored in this process are children under state law, allowing parents to sue for wrongful death of their minor children. Now, Republicans have been for and against this. And I want to get your response to a little bit of this audio. Here are some Republicans. You'll hear Matt Gates, Nancy Mace weigh in on this. Also, former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, cut 17.
8: I don't support any
2: effort to take away IVF from any woman in this country. We need to make sure that embryos are protected. I personally believe an embryo is a baby. Not everybody's going to agree that an embryo is a baby. But that's why parents need to be able to have the decision on how they're going to handle those embryos.
8: I think the court correctly assessed the law, but I believe the Alabama law needs to change. Because the Republican Party cannot be the party against family formation. Pro-life means being pro-IVF. What do you make of it?
10: Well, Nikki Haley um, should understand that an embryo is a baby. Everything that that child needs is present as an embryo. All that embryo needs and that baby needs is location and time to develop. Mm -hmm. An embryo is a human life, period.
0: Where it comes tricky politically, and we've had this discussion before, And that's why I think it's good to have people like you on is you're looking right now. Axios had a report where house Democrats plan to barrage against Republicans on this issue. Um, So how do you navigate issues like this, your pro-life stance with it politically?
10: Well, you know, it's fear mongering, right? So there are families who, there are women who want to have a child and, um, parents who a uh, husband and wife who want to have a child and it is a delicate subject because they need to be able to to make that choice but you can't just that this sl- go down that slippery slope of mm-hmm. in vitro fertilization then becomes okay so the the, the parents want to be the the Husband and wife want to be parents desperately, just in vitro fertilization. They'll take a baby. They want a baby. And then the embryos are formed. And then you go down the slippery slope of eugenics. Mm
5: -hmm.
10: Oh, do I want a baby boy? Do I want a baby girl? Or maybe this embryo is not as strong and uh, may have some birth defect because it's all present. The DNA is present and formed in that embryo. So you go down the slippery slope of eugenics Mm -hmm. and we we, we can't allow that to happen.
0: I think it's interesting if you talk to a parent that has used this, if you tell them that that embryo was nothing, they become quickly offended because they understand that that embryo was their kid, their kid that they're putting through college right now. And it's really disgusting kind of to see how the left is using this as, again, it's the whole clump of cells argument right right and we're all back to that once again wanted to talk about what you guys do locally though because i had the honor to attend your it was your annual not conference but
10: banquet, banquet. fundraising banquet. banquet yes
0: it was amazing and to understand what you guys do on a daily basis at confidential care and your ministry share with the listeners maybe they've not heard of your work what do you guys do day to day?
10: So Confidential Care, is uh, we are a mobile medical ministry, and our mission is to rescue preborn babies and love their moms into the kingdom. So we um, seek out women that are planning to abort their baby, or maybe they're confused and they're not sure what they want to do, if they want to have an abortion or if they want a parent. Um, and so we have mobile medical units that go out every day in Shelby, Tipton County, and um, we counsel with those women. we share truth, we educate them, and we also uh, provide ultrasound so that they can see. It's not a clump of cells. Mm-hmm. It is a baby with a heartbeat, and um we just seek to provide truth. We share the gospel,
0: yeah. It's amazing, and you're making a difference. You are sharing some of the statistics, which I hate even using that word because it's not a statistic. It is a life that is now born as a result of your work, and you have seen your work turn into fruits with these moms who have been neglected, and I've seen some of your stories and testimonials, which are on your website. That is confidentialcaremm.org. What are some of those stories um, and those numbers that you've seen as a result of your work choosing life?
10: Well, Ben, about um, seventy-five to eighty percent of the moms that come onto our unit choose life, and um, I, I want to be sure that your listeners know that we we're not just interested in the woman, um, and after she chooses life, we send her on her way. Mm-hmm. We're going to connect with her, stay connected with her, support her, help her find meaningful um, work or if she wants to go to school we just start with them and say hey what are your dreams what are your goals and then we work with them closely to help them achieve those goals if i could just share one story about a mom um sure and she was raped by her biological father at age 14 and had a child as a result of that and fast forward 21 years and she finds herself pregnant again and wanting an abortion she reached out to us and um, chose life, and baby Noah was born a week before Thanksgiving, and um, his mom was living in a terrible, terrible situation um, in Memphis. We have um, worked with her, gotten her a home, her first home ever, because from the age of fourteen she was moved from a home to home to different family members because. The rape was her biological father, right? So she had no home. Hmm. So um, just before baby Noel was born, she moved into a home. And in about two months, she's going to be a homeowner for the first time wow. ever.
0: Wow. What a success. Yeah. Um, and it's not just that story, there are so many others. I remember when I was at your banquet there was actually a mother that was the recipient of the work you do that had received a car by the generous folks that are bought into your mission. And she was there just saying, thank you. And we were all saying, no, thank you for choosing life and choosing an alternative path. And I love what you're doing. Um, So want all of our listeners to get involved, confidential care, mobile ministry. It is And you can find their website at confidentialcaremm.org. That website, again, confidentialcaremm.org. Thank you for what you're doing. Because you're saving lives. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the last segment of the morning show Wanted to put a bullet on everything that we just discussed, which I rarely do. And it was from a conversation I had with some of my friends who are females. We were hanging out, a whole group of us, and this came up, this conversation around IVF and the pro-choice, pro-life debate. And I think a lot of them would identify as Christians and not conservatives by any stretch, but I would say they would be pretty middle down the road. And... First of all, the thing I was told, and I love all of these friends, but I'm a boy. And so therefore, I do not have the right to have an opinion on this because it's not my body we're talking about. Like the whole my body, my choice thing. Um, But, and I listened to them. And every single one of them all but admitted that an embryo is a life. And they admitted that a clump of cells is also a life. We got into viability, yada, yada, yada. But I asked them, if you really do believe that it is a life, and but at the same time, you don't want the government telling you what you can do with your body, there is a disconnect because that body is separate from the human that is inside of you, right? You admitted that there is a baby in you that has its own heartbeat, its own cells, brain, you name it. Does that life not matter like yours? I understand they will throw the whole rape of a 14-year-old little girl and the Republicans in the state of Tennessee want to lock her in jail. That's, that's literally a lie from the pits of hell. I would also point them to the history books. If you think for one second that the history of the pro-choice movement is all about liberating women, you are wrong. You are mistaken. Look up Margaret Sanger spend 10 minutes reading her demonic journals and you'll know for one in in one moment that it was not about giving women the choice over their body it was about eugenics and it was about really decreasing the black population so is it any wonder why that these abortion providers excuse me set up shop in black communities and they are aborting black babies at a disproportionately higher rate than white ones don't want to add much more to that that is my only homework assignment to those on the pro-choice persuasion before we scoot to break i did want to read a quick story this is all coming up in house committee in tennessee so you've got Three Tennessee Republicans on the Senate Education Committee, again, Republicans is the key word, voting against a bill that would ban certain flags, including the pride flag, from being displayed in the public school classrooms. We've talked about this a lot on this show. It did pass, but very narrowly. And I did want to release some of these Democrats that were in favor of allowing not only the American flag to be waved at your kids' public school, but also the LGBT rainbow one. Republican Senators Todd Gardenhire, he's a Republican from Chattanooga, John Lundenberg, um, Republican from Bristol, and Bill Powers, a Republican for Clarksville. All of them voted against this bill. And so all of them, therefore, need primaried and we need true Republicans because this is ridiculous that we're having this conversation in the state of Tennessee and don't fall for the bait. There's another conversation about right now, Republican uh, Gino Bolso, who was the guy behind the ban on the LGBT flags flying around in the classroom. He is proposing 10 books that were nominated as and would be the official books of Tennessee And the Bible was one of them. So, of course, you've got the activists that are lawmakers, Justin Jones, Justin Pearson, the whole gamut. They're freaking out. We have a little bit of that audio. We'll play it and come back, wrap up the
8: show. Cut number six.
7: Recognize the the rich cultural, literary and political heritage of our state.
8: seems like a random amalgamation of books. Maybe it's your personal favorite books. George Washington did not come from Tennessee. He did not live in Tennessee. We have great authors here, people like Ann Patchett and Cormac McCarthy, literary giants in Tennessee. It just seems like they would be a better fit since they're actually Tennesseans than some of the books you've listed. Are these your favorite books to read personally on your leisurely time? Like, How did you come up with this list of books?
7: George Washington is on the list because he gave his farewell address in September of 1796, which obviously was just three months after Tennessee became a state. So his connection to the state of Tennessee is obviously very direct. The list recognizes the diversity of our citizenship over the course of its history from 1796 to the present. They're Pulitzer Prize winning works, they're works that have been recognized as having significant literary merit.
8: That's a yes, these are your favorite books to read in your leisure time, thank you. You said that these are Pulitzer Prize winners from Tennessee, one of the books listed is a Bible. Did the author of the Bible come from Tennessee?
7: No. The ancient Bible is obviously a Bible that's printed here in Tennessee.
8: So again, we just have a random amalgamation of books that you want to put as our state books. You said they represent the diversity of Tennessee. Only one author is black. Only one author is a woman. So this is not diversity. This is just you trying to promote a a certain dominant narrative of what Tennesseans should be. We know this is going to pass. We know that this is just some type of grandstanding. Good luck on that. We have people of all faiths representing this state, and yet we're trying to slip in the Bible as a state book. That's what this is really about. One of the books listed is Roots. I hope you watched movie or read the book, and you'll see that that's a book about critical race theory. It's about enslavement. It's about a a family being um, terrorized.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And where he goes on, it goes on about the lack of diversity in these books. He says there's no women represented in these proposed 10 books. I would disagree. If you look at the bookshelf, you've got Dolly Parton, her book, A Coat of Many Colors, So she represents the female population out there. So diversity, check the box. We'll see if it goes anywhere. This is a weirder one um, and don't have a ton of time to jump into it. We'll pick it up tomorrow Um, and follow all of the top local and state stories on the local side of the, the morning show. Guys, it's been a fun, fun morning. We'll pick it up tomorrow. In the meantime, download our free app. KWAM pops up wherever you download those, Google Play Store or your App Store, and we'll catch you guys bright and early tomorrow morning starting at 7. Take care.